Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast. We are a small church located in West Lafayette, Indiana. This podcast is our recorded Sunday morning teachings. Join us as we learn to love, grow, and share what God has given us. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing, Drew? (laughs) Got that last cookie and that last cup of hot sea and water bottle, whatever you're using. Good morning. It's good to see you all here. We are glad you're here, too, as well. So we've been working through the book of First Peter, and uh, I think this is the 13th week in the series. So 13, how many of you have been here for all 13? Oh, okay, all right. Then I won't have a quiz this morning, we won't do that, okay. So um, last week, Tom talked about being armed, arming yourselves with some truth to help align ourselves with Jesus. So we talked about picking some things up and putting some things down. This week, the theme is sharing in the sufferings. Sharing in the sufferings. And I thought about this you know, for a little while. Um, sharing means partnering. It's together with them, okay? And... Uh, these folks were going through some pretty tough times. Um, it wasn't easy street for them in their Christian life. They were experiencing rejection, criticism, probably some things were being said to them that were not nice. What I'd like to do for just a few minutes this morning, just to kind of put you in touch with that, is I want you to picture yourself this morning in their shoes. Not in your shoes, but in their shoes. Picture being in the neighborhood, that you're a follower of Jesus, and those around you are not too happy about that. Um, So maybe just take a few minutes, maybe a minute here, and say, Lord, help me to picture myself in that setting back hundreds and hundreds of years ago, somewhere in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, and do this. Think of your friend, maybe a friend you have, and that friend is not happy with you being a follower of Jesus. And they're, they're treating you differently. Picture that. Ask the question this morning, how does that make me feel? So I think that's the way to get into this message this morning. How does that make you feel? And uh, capture the emotion of that. Penny and I were talking about it earlier this morning, and she said, yeah, that would probably be a challenging situation. You might feel like, wow, I can't get away from this. (laughs) I have a house. I'm in a neighborhood. And um, I'm in this community. 
and I got a job here, so I'm not going to be able to leave. So I'm feeling the pressure of that. And I think, you know, it's, it's really good to do that to begin with because sharing in the sufferings is what this is about this morning. How do we do that? Do we stand with our Lord? Do we back away? Hmm. So how do, we, how do we deal with this? And so a couple of weeks ago, we were out at the camp, Cary Camp. That's the Boy Scout camp. And uh, I was a scout at one time. And there's a motto that scouts have. All right, so let me see if there's any scouts in here. What's the scout motto? What is it? Be prepared. That's right, be prepared. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. When I think of sharing in Christ's sufferings, I'm thinking about being prepared, anticipating. And, and the word that comes to my mind here for the title of this message, I think I got it up there someplace, is fireproof. Because the first things out of Peter's mouth in this passage of Scripture this morning is, don't be surprised at the fiery trials among you. And I thought, okay, yeah, don't be surprised. So how do I deal with those fiery trials? Well, I can fireproof my walk with Jesus. We prepare. You have notes. I hope you have notes this morning. And uh, it's called Call to Fireproof. There's three points on here. And then we're going to have a final thought. I also got some discussion questions for you. And on the back side are the verses. So this can really help you work through this morning with us, right alongside of us. The discussion questions are meant to be used this week sometime to think about those questions and go a little deeper with this teaching. Maybe search your own hearts a little bit about this teaching. So I'm hoping that you, you know, if anybody wants a copy right now of the notes, raise your hand and um, Zirkle back there will make sure you get one. Okay, there's, oh, right up front there. Go for it, Zirkle. Thank you. When I thought about this anticipation thing and, and you know, sharing in the sufferings and all that, one of the events that came to my mind was October 7th, 2023. The land of Israel was pretty well blindsided. They weren't prepared for what happened that morning. So Peter's letter is, is an idea of, or a command to, or an exhortation, or inspiration to be prepared. Don't get caught. You and I should not be blindsided by the hostility of the world around us toward our faith journey. So this morning, we're going to discover how that works. There's a lot of verses here, but we're going to peel it right down to the bare bones and, and talk about what we're t you need to know. So let's read through, first of all, these verses. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 through 19. So the first one here, first couple of verses. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening. To you, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings. You may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. 
If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in that name, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. If it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? The righteous is scarcely saved. What will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And then finally, in verse 19, which in a lot of ways, this verse is probably the central verse of all of 1 Peter. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. All right. Let's pray, and we're going to jump in here. We're going to see some things this morning that I want you to catch. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Peter. Thank you for Peter, who is our example of how to share in the sufferings of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for allowing this man to be used to share with us some really good insights that will help us, Lord, as we walk in this world which is getting more hostile every day. Thank you for his warning about suffering. Thank you for his instructions regarding how to respond to suffering. And then, Lord, give us grace to understand how to prepare. Okay, so this morning we're going to start off here in verse 12. So this breaks down into verse 12, then verses 13 through 18, and then verse 19. And I, as I studied these verses, I noticed something. I'm going to just move that aside and kind of step out here a little bit. It, it hit me about um, a week ago. Um, I was just reading this passage over, and the first word in verse 12 just leaped off the page at me. Beloved. And I was trying to figure out why did Peter start it out that way? And, and in one of my early morning times with, with the Lord, this is what he said to me. He said this, think about the fact that these guys were living in a very hostile environment. They were probably being called a lot of things, and it wasn't beloved. They might have been called stupid. They might have been called idiot. They might have been called, you know, a dork, whatever else. But it wasn't nice stuff. And, and I thought to myself, yeah, okay. So you start to hear that day in and day out. And it starts to, it starts to seep in. They're hanging a tag on me. They're hanging a tag on me that starts to identify, make my identity. And I'm going, oh, yeah, that's not fun. That's not cool. And I think Peter felt that. His heart was touched with their hearts. Peter felt that. And so Peter says, you know, let me just hang a tag on you. That's the best identity you'll ever get. And that is, you are beloved. You are beloved. What does that term mean? Well, it's a, a term of endearment. 
It's a term of relationship. It's what you want to be. That's the kind of tag I want to hang on my life, that I am beloved. Used several times in the scripture, okay? Song of Solomon's one of them, where the two lovers are talking about being beloved. It's used between the Father and the Son. God the Father, God the Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. It's also used between Paul and his kingdom workers. Isn't that interesting? Those band of brothers hanging together for the cause of Christ. Beloved. And this morning, that's you and I. We're beloved. Don't forget that. Don't forget that as we move through this message this morning. All right. So here we go. We're going to jump right in here. How do we prepare for suffering? Number one, anticipate. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening. Don't be surprised. How many of you have been surprised before? Okay, now, there's a few of you that are telling the truth. Others are saying, ah, oh, no, I don't know what that. I've been surprised several times, okay? Um, one was not so fun. So a good number of years ago, we went to visit my daughter over in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, <clears throat> the first surprise she gave me was when she didn't become a boilermaker anymore and went over to the Buckeye side. That was, that was a bad surprise. But we had just got over there and settling down and, and getting relaxed and everything. And my son, who happened to stay back um, here in West Lafayette, called me and said, Dad, we just had a horrendous storm. The basement's full of water. You're going to need to come home. And needless to say, that was not a really fun surprise. Our hearts were pretty heavy. We would really look forward to visiting with Jessica, and we had to travel home. Now, I've had a few good surprises. So my wife has pulled a couple of them off at times. Um, one of them was, I don't remember what birthday it was, but I was sitting in the kitchen enjoying my birthday cake and all that stuff, and suddenly I heard a bagpiper in my living room. I went, okay, where did this come from? And I walked around the corner, and sure enough, there was somebody from the 42nd Royal Highlanders, and he was piping for me. So um, that was a pleasant surprise. Um, had, the, had a good time with that one. Penny gave me a surprise last Friday night, which was not the most fun either. So I was up at the pastor's retreat, got a call about 7 o'clock, and she said, I have got an episode with my eye, and I'm going to need to go to a doctor. Where do I go? And so um, I said, okay. So I basically turned to Tom and said, I got to go. I'm leaving. And uh, so I packed up in the car, came home. Long and the short of it, you knew I had driven up for two hours. I drove back for two hours. We were in the emergency room until about 2 o'clock in the morning. It was a long time and not a fun surprise. But you know what? Um, the Lord helped me to see that I'm really there to love my wife, to take care of her, and to show her the love of Jesus Christ. And so that entire time, um, I didn't feel like I was having adrenaline, but I felt like the Spirit was really working. And it was, a, it was a blessing that, you know, one of the brothers from the church, named Jack, um, sat with her until I got there. So, you know, that was just a real appreciative time. Okay. So, 
surprises. Surprises. <laughs> um, this little verse is really packed with some amazing truths. First Peter, first Peter says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Suffering is part of the game. Part of the faith journey. I mean, look at righteous Job. He was, he was walking with God and tight with God, and he went to suffering. Look at Jeremiah. You know, a, a young man who was really on fire for Jesus, or for God, Jesus wasn't, but on fire for God, and they throw him in a well because they didn't like what he was saying. Look at Joseph. Joseph righteous guy. And his brothers sell him out, try to get him killed. Wow. I mean, and then you just look at some of the other ones who have, through a long of history, have suffered for being with God. Paul, he suffered. And Tom brought this up last week, so here you go. 2 Timothy 3.12. All who desire, this is written by Paul, by the inspiration of the Spirit, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not if, but will. Not maybe, but will. So eventually that's coming. You and I need to anticipate. You and I need to be prepared. This is one truth that's to be sure you don't want to doubt. So I would tell you that, you know, honestly, you're going to see it. Like Tom saw it at Ace Hardware. I've seen it at Purdue University. I was called in by faculty member and told that I should not be sharing my faith with my students. So I've been down that route too as well. Wasn't fun, disappointed that that happened, but I kept working at it, worked around it. One of the things we need to be very aware of is that what's happening in the Middle East is eventually going to come our way, so let's not kid ourselves. That suffering is going to come here. Hamas has said that. So this is just a question of time, folks. So be prepared is important. This morning, what we share here is to fireproof your faith so that you will stand, stand, stand. Peter calls the trials fiery. Why is that? Probably what the people, you know, Peter was writing to felt that. <laughs> they felt the fire. And fire usually is not very pleasant. It doesn't give you the warm fuzzies. But Peter gives us an interesting thing, a positive side. Quite often, fire in the Bible is not destructive, but it's more purifying. It's meant to search out what's going on inside your heart. God uses trials to purify. Stuff that hinders our partnering with Jesus. It's good fire, not bad fire. Testing, it brings, that's the central principle here in this verse. It brings out, you know, what's really inside. Because the Greek word means to prove. And here's what I think we need to understand. Who are we, what's the proof? What's the, what's the point of it? It's not for God. God already knows what's in your heart. God already knows what's in my heart. So when the trial comes, who's being, who's being proved here? You and I are being proved. 
is what we, we learn is inside of our heart. Is my faith really real? Is it authentic? Is it genuine? So when you're squirming under some things that aren't so fun for your faith, are you going to hold fast? God knows already what's going to happen. God knew on every, in each of the disciples' cases, he knew what was going to happen. But God says it's all for our benefit. It's for the authenticity of our faith. I'll share with you a story that's kind of personal. You guys remember Bruce? Yeah, okay. So Bruce went into eternity about a month or so ago. It was a long walk with him down that road. And it was an interesting thing. I, the day that his funeral was, was held in Houston, um, I decided to drop in on that one. But I had dropped in on Bruce's life several times before that. And every time that I talked to Bruce, he was holding fast. He was in pain because of the leukemia. He was hurting because of that disease. But deep inside, Bruce was holding fast. During the funeral, one of his buddies came up and said, you know, I want to tell you about Bruce. That guy, every time I talk to him, he is really strong in the faith. He is holding fast. There were several times that Bruce, you know, got a hold of me and said, man, this is hard, Fred. Walking through the valley of the shadow is not fun. But you know, to the, to the point where he entered into eternity, Bruce was faithful right to the end. So his proof, his proof was solid. That's pretty cool. So fireproofing, our faith journey involves anticipation. Being prepared. Fireproofing, our faith journey, also revolves around what I call a response plan. And that's the verses of 13 through 18. Look at all these different words in here. I'm just going to highlight them for you. Rejoice. Rejoice. Be glad. Be blessed. Don't suffer as a murderer. Don't suffer for bad things. But suffer for the right things. Don't be ashamed. Glorify God. Now there's a lot in here, so I'm I'm not going to be able to Pull all of this down, folks. It's just a lot there. Peter is telling you and I to rejoice in our unwelcome circumstances because they're going to come. They're not going to be fun. Our neighbor, their neighbors were not going to expect that. <laughs> and our neighbors shouldn't expect that either. I think the key word here in this passage of Scripture is what I would call control. Who is in control? Am I in control? Is someone else in control of my life? Is the one who's causing the suffering in control? Or is it Jesus? Is he in control? 
So let me just give you four truths that will really help you to have a good response plan. Verses 13 and 14, I think, talk about the tunnel. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. That's a good truth to hang on to. When you're suffering, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. God's in control. Things might be bad at present, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Peter mentions the revelation of his glory. Tom talked about that while we were singing. A day is coming when Jesus will return, and he will set it all right. And that's a truth to bank on. That's a truth to stand on. That's a truth not to roll away from. Jesus is in control. And when he reigns on this earth, there's no one's going to question that authority. A promise that God will keep. A promise that God will keep. We can bank on that. Take it to the bank. If you and I know that that day is coming, you and I can hang in there, no matter what's going on. Keep your eyes on the future, not on the present circumstances. Rest in the power of his Holy Spirit. Don't rest in the sad, mistaken fact that you can handle it on yourself. Rest in the fact of his divine power that's in you and is available. <clears throat> Which brings my second point. Hang in there. Peter says, don't be caught doing wrong behavior. I thought about this for a while ago. What is he talking about here? Don't be, you know, don't be, don't be caught in, in being a, a, a meddler. Don't be caught in being a thief. Don't be caught in being a murderer. Christians do that? Why? I don't think so. But, you know, maybe with what was going on in their lives, they'd be tempted to cave. But they, Peter says, don't do that. Don't give up. Don't do that. Don't do like they're doing. Hang in there. Hang in there. God's in control. Insults may be the rule of the day. Stand up and take it. So here's another story that just happened a couple, about a week or so ago. I was talking to a fellow on this campus who's Jewish. And, and he was leveling with me that it's kind of fearful. It's tough right now. They feel the heat of this anti-Semitism that's happening. And here's what the Lord prompted me to do. I reached out. I put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, <clears throat> Be Joshua. Don't be fearful. Be Joshua. Stand and be courageous. For the Lord your God is with you. And then I took my hand off just that quickly. Because I didn't know how welcome he was going to be to that. But I felt prompted to do that, and that's exactly what we're talking about. Hang in there. Hang in there. Find your courage in Jesus and resolve to stand with him. Thirdly, glorify God. Peter says, glorify God in Jesus' name. What does that mean? Simply, it's this. It's all about God. It's not about you. It's not about me. We aren't in control as much as we would like to think that we are. It's not about us. It's all about God. 
He wants us to represent him well. First part of our purpose statement. Each and every day and each and every circumstance. And especially when things are not going well. God the Father, Papa, loves his child. And he loves it when I say to him, I yield to you. I surrender. You're in control. Because when, he does, when we do that, he then comes back and showers the blessings on us, even in tough circumstances. And lastly, Peter closes out those verses by bringing up the subject of judgment, verses 17 and 18. Okay, so, wow. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Okay, glorify God. Okay. For time for judgment to begin at the household of God. If it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and sinner? I just thought about that. Let's dig a little bit deeper. In nutshell, what's Peter saying? Judgment involves us, the godly ones. Judgment involves others, the godless ones. But God is the ultimate ruler, the ultimate boss. He is the, and I was just thinking about this yesterday, he's the God over all the universe, not just our world. That's amazing. That's an awful lot of power. <laughs> he's in control and he has the final say. For us, judgment should be good because we have had our sins judged. It's that purifying effect that we're talking about here. Once in a while, you and I need a good spring cleaning in our lives, right? You'd at least admit that? Yeah, you probably do. I do. Scripture tells us that everyone whom the Lord loves, he reproves. It's a sign of our beloved relationship. What about the godless? Well, Peter reminds us that those who are followers of Jesus, our endurance will eventually result in eternal reward. Sadly, that the case of those who are not believers, they will not escape the judgment of God. They will go into eternity. That fact, you know, really concerns me. I, when I walk around on campus, I walk around my community, when I walk around my neighborhood, you know, there are lots of folks that do not know Jesus. They need to know him, but they don't know him. So we need to get after that. Okay. The last one today, the third point is follow. That's from verse 19. Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Peter says, in trust. Fireproofing our faith is who in you and I are going to trust. Who are in you and I going to follow? So I read this verse. I was trying to think, okay, what are we talking about here? And I think what we're talking about is example. So in my, my other career life, before I retired and, and graduated from Purdue, you know, in the work world, that is, <laughs> I was in management, so I had people working for me. Some in this room actually worked for me. They're still around, so they didn't leave. 
But what I did was I knew that I didn't know everything to know about management and I needed to get on top of things. So I would spend lots of hours reading management stuff and learning how to change my life in order to be a better manager. I looked for an example. So when I think about verse 19, therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator. I'm looking for an example. I'm looking for someone who's sharing in those sufferings, who's a good example that I can walk alongside and, and, and understand how it works. And so when you're looking at this here, I think there's several, a couple pieces here that I want to catch. And first is God's will. Um, you know, this is, and this is where it really gets important, God's will. Some people ask, what's God's will for my life? That's the wrong question. The right question is, what's God's will? What is God's will? And in this case here, it looks like it's suffering is God's will. So if, if God is, is in control, and so he's allowing that to come into my life, then how do I deal with that suffering? I think what you look at is, is doing it God's way, not my way. Yours and my way, well, okay, I don't know about yours. I'm not going to say that. I know my way is if I start to have some heat in my life, I like to get out of it as soon as I can. Anybody relate? Okay, there's a few honest ones in the, in the audience. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is God's way is to learn how God wants it to be done. Jesus suffered, and so he's my best example. How did he deal with it? How did he make it work? So the words follow. I think I wrote down here, when it comes to this part of God's will, we want some skin in the game. We want to be part of this baby, okay? Heart versus head knowledge. I want somebody who I'm going to follow who's been there before and who's done it. So when Tom gave us that example last week, I thought, wow, that's a good example. He stood up, stood up for Jesus in that place, and they knew it. Tom had some skin in the game. Tom is not just head knowledge with suffering. Tom knows about in the heart. Same for me when I sat in front of that faculty member, and he told me I couldn't share about Jesus anymore with my students. I thought, wow, okay. And, and this guy professed to be religious. Wow, that was just a shock to me. Hmm. So when I look at this, I'm looking for the right example in how to follow that. Someone I can trust my soul to. And I think it's interesting what Peter does. He says, entrust your soul to the Creator. To the Creator. Why did he say that? The Creator. I mulled that over for a while, and then it just it occurred to me, my God is my creator. When he made things in Genesis chapter 1, it was good. It was, in fact, very good. When Genesis 3 happened, my creator did not blink. Okay? He wasn't blindsided by what happened. He didn't blink. My creator was there with a plan for redemption already in place. He was reaching out to you and I myself. 
That's why I think Peter calls him creator. So we begin with, beloved is my name. We begin, we end with his name being creator. And I think about this, you know, he went to the cross as the creator. He suffered for 33 years, but he suffered for you and for I. We can share in the sufferings because he's walked the path, and I can walk the path with him. Jesus will be there with me as I walk the path of suffering. On the back of your notes, there is a verse that's really pretty cool as we kind of pull this one down. And here's what it says. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in the fold of his robe. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. That's Isaiah 40, verse 11. Okay, so you want to be a picture. There's a shepherd's picking a, a little lamb up, and he puts it in his fold right here next to his heart. And picture yourself this morning that the shepherd, the great shepherd, picks you up and puts you right here in the fold of his robe, right next to his heart. Jesus' heart, you can feel, and hear. That's what we're looking for here. Sharing in those sufferings means that I feel what Jesus feels. I am heart to heart with him. I am beloved. You catching that? I really hope and pray that you are catching that this morning. That you're not isolated. You're together with us. Okay? So as we look at this, you know, this morning we, we anticipate that's preparation. We respond correctly because that's what God wants us to do, stand. And then we find a good example, and example is Jesus. But let me leave you with one final thought that's really good for our lives as we face possible suffering. The last part of that says this. It says, all the while doing good. Now, when things start to get so not so good, our tendency would be to say, I don't want any part of this. I'm going to leave them alone. I'm going to walk away from them. And Jesus said, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to reach out and not run away. Put that in your notes if you're writing it down this morning. I want you to reach out, not run away. So that last part there is just doing good. That's what God wants us to do, is do good. How do we overcome evil? That's right, Andrew, by doing good. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Don't forget that. Don't forget that in your classroom. Don't forget that in your laboratory. Don't forget that in your dorm room. Don't forget that wherever you are. Do good. No matter how they treat you, do good. Because that's what God wants us to do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we are beloved.
Thank you for the heads up on suffering. Thank you for the insights on responding. Thank you for the example that you set for us. Lord Jesus, help us to follow that example with all of our heart, soul, and spirit by your grace. In your precious name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, please be sure to subscribe. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website, wlgrace.org. See you next week.